the next three weeks, I, I want to talk about a sobering topic, but I think a very important topic. It should be exciting for us. It should be an exciting topic for us. I want, to, I want us to consider eternity for the next, for tonight and then the next couple of Wednesdays. How many believe that eternity is real? You know, we don't talk about it enough. We preach about it with inspiration, but it's a passing thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to be prepared for eternity. We have to talk about it. We have to discuss it. We have to consider it. So Matthew 24, I want to read verses 37 through 42, and then I'll allow you uh, to be seated, or we'll be seated as a body tonight. Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. We are excited. I want to remind you about this upcoming Sunday night. Um, this upcoming Sunday night, the service will feel a little bit different. It won't be probably as long as a normal service would be, but we're going to have a time of honoring volunteers and have a special tiered process of dedicating the remodeled building to the glory of the Lord. How many think everything that we have and everything that we do should be dedicated unto his purpose for his glory? And so we're looking forward to that. There'll be some special treats and gifts on Sunday night. So we'd ask everyone that can to plan on being here for that 630 service. Verse, verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. This, this first Wednesday night in this series of Considering Eternity, I, I want to teach on what I have felt impressed in prayer we need. Now, I feel like we need it, Brother Staten, across North America, but I'm not pastoring North America. I'm, I'm, I'm pastoring here. So I want to speak to our local assembly and tell you we need a revival of rapture expectation. Brother Titus, no one's talking about it anymore, no one's thinking about it anymore. But Brother Sleva, soon and very soon, I still believe the eastern sky is going to part. And he is going to present unto himself a glorious church. Thinking about the rapture should not scare us. It should excite us. God, I pray that you'd help us in this time together. I want to share from the scripture. I pray that our 
minds are not desensitized and they're not turned off, that they can still be enamored to the truths of your word, that you would help me to speak and to minister. I pray that our people, that the entire body that's in this adult session tonight, every young adult and every elder and every individual in between, that we would be awakened to the reality of your soon coming. We ask it in Jesus' name. And let everyone say amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight as we begin to consider eternity together. There's a lot to be said about that word. That word is rapture. Say it with me if you will, rapture. rapture. Say it one more time, rapture. rapture. Now this is not a word that you're going to find in your King James Bible. This is not a word that you would turn to the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you would be able to find in there and expound upon it. So when we say rapture, we are talking about that great catching away. Brother Brown, when we speak about the rapture, we're talking about the catching away of the body. This world has made a mockery of holy things. You've often heard of, of maybe even that word being used. That word that used to be used more in the church is now used in different ways. I've told the story about uh, driving into Michigan. We have some Michigan fans in the room tonight. And so I'm going to take a moment to dog on Michigan. Um, we were, <laughs> sorry, sorry, just teasing kind of. Um, we were driving, my wife and I, we were driving into Michigan. Oh, it's been a number of years ago, probably a decade ago. We were driving into Michigan and, and um, I looked up and there was a giant billboard and in all caps, the word rapture was on it and in my mind, I was thinking a religious group has bought the billboard, you know, and I was looking for the church website that was on it. Maybe they're going to host a revival. But then um, underneath, the words were kind of odd because they said, come get carried away with us. And, and I thought, okay, this may be a Kool-Aid situation. I'm not sure what we're <laughs> dealing. I shouldn't make light. I just... But I had to go. There was a little website there, so I went to see what church it was. And I was astounded. I'll never forget this. I was astounded, Brother Losh, when I, when I clicked on this website, and it was a new nightclub that was opening in the downtown Detroit area. And, uh, and I was uh, almost stupefied, so to speak. I was just dumbfounded at the fact that they had done it. And then all of a sudden, this righteous indignation began to rise up inside of me. And I'm sitting in the car just praying and cursing the devil and everything else, you know, just how could they make such a mockery of it? And I thought to myself... That sounds like something some backslidden heathen would do is to take a nightclub that's full of the devil's devices and make a mockery of it and call it rapture. But ladies and gentlemen, I would tell you that we live in a world that has been mimicking and mocking the sacred for a long time. We, the church, need to be talking about, thinking about, living for the rapture of the body because there is a day coming when two will be grinding at the mill and one will be left and one will be gone. There may be two there in the bed and one will be left and one will be gone. And allow me to go back to the, uh, to the old song, but Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. 
Hey, I want to say it on this Wednesday night. I don't want to be lost. My God, have mercy. I don't want to be lost. There is nothing that is worth our soul. For even the scriptures would ask that question to us. What is it if we would gain the whole world but lose our soul? But there really is a rapture. And I would, I would speak this to you tonight that there is a danger in drifting into the belief that eternity's only door swings on the hinge of natural death. I'll say it again. There's a danger in drifting into the belief that eternity's only door swings on the hinge of natural death. If we ever start thinking, well, I'll get it right before I die, you might not get that chance. Brother Mac, we're not very far. We're not many decades removed from where the rapture was a consistent conversation in the home. Maybe more in some geographical areas than other. When I was growing up, just in my short lifetime, my four decades of life, I grew up, every single conversation started with, well, Lord willing. I lost track of how many times my grandmother would say something to the effect of, if the Lord doesn't return, call me old-fashioned. I want that back. I don't want to live like I'm more excited about my next vacation than I am. I, I'm, I do not want to live with my mind more focused on my rays here in this temporal world. Yes, I want to live with excellence. I want to live with planning. But there is no planning, whether it's for your home or for your family, there is no planning that is as important that you, your spouse, your children, your family, that everyone you know can somehow be ready for the rapture, the great catching away of the church. It was all of the early church fathers that would continue to write, even decades after Jerusalem fell, that they were still anticipating. They were looking. Ignatius would say it at the end of the first century. He wrote, these are the last times. It was uh, the Didache, you could read, anticipated both the Antichrist and the coming of Jesus. The epistle Barnabas announces it to be the last days. I'm talking about things well beyond what was considered canon. The writing continued on. The, the whole tenor of the, sh of the shepherd of Hermas calls renders to repentance, anticipating Christ's return. Irenaeus, like John before him, exhorted the church to godly living. Jesus was soon to return, he said. Tertullian anticipated the soon return of Jesus. While Gnostics held no view of the return of Christ, there's a considerable amount of literature outside of the canon that demonstrates that widespread expectation. Well, what happened, Pastor Carson? Years happened. And time happened. Anything can take on that new bike syndrome, Brother Ranking. Anything how many of you remember that new bike when you first got it as a kid? You didn't want your sibling to even look at it. Don't look at it. Don't touch it. I had a great experience. Neither one of them are in here. I won't say which two, but I had a great experience even this week with one of my, um, one of my kids started to touch a pair of shoes of one of my other kids. And my other kids said, don't even touch them. <laughs> Calm down. They go on your feet. 
I didn't realize that the other kid had Cheeto fingers at the time, which does speak to the truth. But what happens over time, things that are so special and so sought after, there should never be anything. Brother Robeson, there should never be anything that can begin to dilute, begin to erode our anticipation of the reality of Christ's return. But if we're not careful, we can, like so many have over the years, over the, Pastor Carson, we're talking centuries. Centuries have come and gone. To which I would say, then we better be looking up like never before. Because honestly, when I take a current evaluation, Brother Mariner, I've, I've, I've been doing this a lot lately. I, I've been taking an evaluation of where we are. And when I look at the biblical evaluation, we're, we're getting to the place where it seems like I'm ready to hear the heavens begin to thunder. I'm ready to feel the earth begin to shake. And it's not supposed to be something that is overwhelming or concerning to us. The worst thing that could ever happen is that children of God, saints of God, would be worried about the rapture. Don't come yet, Lord. Did anybody ever pray that he would not come before you got your driver's license? Oh, yeah, you laugh because you did. Or prayed that he would not return before you got the chance to be married. And then you were married for a little while and you said, it's okay, Lord. Even so, come quickly. Some of you, not all of us feel that way. But. <laughs> it was Robert Jensen who made the statement, the folks who drive around with bumper stickers about the rapture are closer to biblical faith than most mainline Christians with our embarrassment about such things. We're more likely to be embarrassed about the person that's walking around talking about the rapture when truly there are parts of that type of thinking and living that are a lot closer to the early church. In the early church, they were talking about it. They were preaching about it. They were in anticipation of it. Even the early church fathers that continued on. Everything about, listen, everything about spreading the gospel was because he was returning for the church. If we're not careful, we get overly motivated. We're excited about evangelism and trying to reach everybody with the gospel. Why do we think we're trying to reach them with the gospel? Because he is going to present unto himself that glorious church. Well, we just want them to be saved before they die. Yes, they, they do need to be saved before they die. But we have scripture that we're going to even share here in just a little bit that not everyone will get that chance to go by the grave. There's three major views of the rapture. Pre-tribulation, often called pre-trib. There's pre-wrath and there's post-tribulation. Now, some of you love to discuss prophecy. You love to talk about Revelation. You want to talk about Revelation 6, Revelation 11, Revelation 13, 14, Revelation 19. And, and listen, if you're those people... Keep enjoying it. I think it's great. Enjoy having those discussions. I have seen people get downright mad over whether it's pre-trib, pre-wrath, 
post-trib. I mean, I've seen people get downright mad about it. Now, I want to tell you this. Don't lose your Holy Ghost talking about the return of the Lord. Pre-tribulation believes that the church is raptured before the plagues of Revelation chapter 6. Somebody said, what do you believe? That's what I choose to believe. Pre-wrath rapture. Believers, they typically assume more of that mid-tribulation return, but typically in that belief system, they think that the beginning of the wrath is not necessarily from the wrath of God, but the wrath of government and things like that. And then post-tribulation typically looks all the way to the singular coming of Christ at Armageddon. Now, if you're a post-trib, I want you to just hold on to that and keep it to yourself. I like that. If you didn't hear him, he said, be ready, Trib. That's probably a, you know, we're supposed to be looking up every day. That's one, of the, that's one of the great deceptions of the absolute onslaught of depression in the last decade. Depression in the church has become something staggering that was never, ever, ever meant to be something of the church. And it's got a lot of people so busy looking down, they never look up. We need to talk about this thing, this somewhat controversial, but yet should be considered wonderful event called the rapture. Everyone say the rapture. We hold on to this hope with good reason. For the promise was delivered by the Lord himself and confirmed by the Apostle Paul. Look in your Bible to John chapter 14, if you will. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Turn, turn over a little bit to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend with, from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the Archangel, archangel, whichever one you want to say. We've always said archangel. A lot of theologians say it does not say archangel. It says archangel. And if you look at the historical development of the walls there in Jerusalem, I'm not trying to take this detour, but if you're a historian or you like facts, this would be interesting for you to consider in the original building of the walls there. You would note that everything was built systematically uh, upon an arching system. And governance and the way that it works. So if you want to say archangel, go ahead. And with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Everyone say first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Ladies and gentlemen, I would present to you tonight that we typically reserve this for funerals. 
We've taken it out of our pulpits unless we're over bodies that have already passed. And we need a revival of expectation and comforting one another with the fact that there is a God that is going to come and bring us unto himself. We should be ecstatic about the fact that we are pilgrims in this land, but it is not our final destination. We should comfort one another with these words. Yes, there are some that have already died and been, they've been laid into the ground. And we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We, we believe that, right? We, we know according to Scripture. One of the least exhausted topics of the entire Bible is the topic of heaven. The average long-term believer knows very little about heaven. That's why we're going to talk about it during this series. It is actually a topic that has been one of the least exhaustively considered and written about. We preach about going there. We just don't really know where we're going. Say the streets of gold thing. That'll get them. Can I tell you, we're going to talk about it next week or the week after one of the next two weeks, but I do want to tell you this. Heaven is only heaven because of Jesus Christ. I'm not just trying to excite you, so I don't need you to clap about this, but I'm trying to make sure my heart is focused in at the right place. Were there no streets of gold, give me Jesus. Were there no walls of jasper or gates of pearl, The mansion thing that we, that we sing about and read about, I go to prepare a place for you, when we actually look at the historical definition and we know that that was the same statement that a Jewish groom would tell his would-be bride, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, knowing that he was going home to his father's house and building on a room for her to come and live with them. Would heaven still be heaven to you if you didn't get your own luxury penthouse? You mean all I get to do is get a room at the Father's house? Sign me up. Comfort one another with these, with these words. Oh, I want to see him and look upon his face. There to sing forever of. On the streets of glory. Let me. Pastor, that's not Bible. No, but some people think it is. And, and it's got some threading through it. Care's all past. Home. You know, that's what we used to celebrate in the church. We say, welcome home here, and I understand what we're doing. But the real reason we should get excited about saying welcome home to people here is because we understand the trajectory that we're on. Welcome home until we get home. Welcome home. Until we get home. I'm going to say it again. Welcome home until we get home. That's what it really is all about. And so we, we, we've got to be focused in here. We've got to be prepared here. We've got to be thinking about this and comforting one another with these words. The topic of the rapture is critical to the apostolic church. It, it, it should be, it must be critical to anyone who considers themselves a believer. It, it does something for us. Consideration of the rapture, whether you're a college student sitting in here or whether you're an elder that has been living for God for the last 60 plus years, the, the rapture does something for us. 
One of the first things that it does, I, I, I've read through so many different books and different studies in, in preparation for this, and I ran across uh, a, a few things trying to summarize and, and look at some lessons here. And I, I love this, this three-point summary I want to share with you tonight. One of the things that it does is it produces holy living in an unholy world. 1 John 3 and 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. I want to read it again, and if you want to write it down so that you have it for your own. Studies, 1 John 3 and 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. It allows me to look at this world and say, I'm not living for this world. And someone would take a shot at the church and say, well, that's just a legalistic way of thinking. I promise you from the bottom of my heart, I have no desire to ever be legalistic, but I have every desire to try to please the word of God. Number two, it causes us to evaluate the way that we live our lives and the way that we spend our resources. How many know that the way we spend our resources, the way we spend our time, the way that we prioritize our lives, it does in fact matter. And if I'm consistently looking towards the soon coming of Christ and this thing that we have identified and labeled as the rapture, and if you don't like calling it the rapture because you can't find that word, just call it the coming of Christ. Mark 13, if you want this scriptures noted, Mark 13, 33 through 37, take ye heed and watch and pray for ye know not when the time is for the son of man is as that man taking a journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and every man his work and commanded the porter to watch, watch therefore for ye know not when the master of the house cometh and at even at the midnight or the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping and what I say unto you, I say unto all all watch watch how many remember that the scripture even admonishes us that we are to watch and pray you ever busted someone out for praying with their eyes open and you thought you got them oh I see you you ever been praying around the supper table and do one of these You see them and they see you, but you can't say anything because mom will know that you. <laughs> and so not that kind of peeking around and not that, but this kind of watching and anticipating. That's what we're being instructed to do. And then thirdly, and I love this point that it produces an evangelistic church of soul winning Christians. I am convinced that probably what we'll teach on the third Wednesday about that reality of hell, I am convinced that if we were more convinced of hell's reality, we would all work harder to win souls. I really do. Say, so, Pastor, that's a tough statement. Well, I'm talking to me. I'm talking to every one of us. If we really believe that it is eternal damnation, that it is a separation from the presence of God. That there will be wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place where the worm dieth not. Then it would cause us. And if we think that there is a soon coming of Christ. Then it must compel us toward evangelism. Can I say this right now? 
as we transition out of this part, the early church in Acts, this great history book that we have from the text that tells us how they were able to effectively evangelize and the church grew so demonstratively, what, what they had was boldness. They were so convinced of the soon coming return of Christ. And it was still intermingled in their mind and in their mindset of the way that he was going to turn even the earthly government that they were not embarrassed. Stephen would take the death penalty and start the flow of blood. It, it's, we're in a staggering moment with what we're dealing with in Rome in this time. And if you want to look at some of the, some of the leaders, you, you look at... Oh, look at the early church some 30 years later when you're dealing with even the leadership of Nero. and It's, it's unbelievable. Christians are being turned into wax candles in the street and still refusing to denounce their faith. They're being boiled. They're, I don't want to be too graphic, but I need to tell you sometimes we're, we're, we're not graphic enough. They were giving everything. And pastor, why would they do that? If, if God would really have loved them, they would not have suffered persecution. They knew that they were one breath away. I think I've read so many times. I was just a college student when I first read through the book of martyrs. And, and, and I'll never forget reading about John Lambert and, and, and being there and being burned at the stake and at the, at the risk of, of, of how detailed. I'll spare some of the details, but I can remember reading of his flesh turning as it were to wax and, and dripping. And they came to him time after time and said, denounce your faith. Faith, and I, I'm not talking about an individual like you or I. I'm talking about uh, centuries ago. I'm talking about in a place where, where, where it seems like it should have been right to, 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 to have an excuse and in a place. But they said as his own flesh burned away from his body, he screamed through the courtyard, None but Christ. And yet in our generation, making it to church is a struggle. Say, oh, that's a low blow, Pastor. No, 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 no. It's, it's the reality of where we are. If we're not careful, we're easily offended. We're bothered. We're wounded. Any request is too much for Christ. Any, don't, don't, don't preach anything that makes me challenge being able to be modern and still godly. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to look up. And we've got to consider the soon coming God, don't let us be lost. God, don't let... Would you just lift your hands with me for a moment in the room? God, give us a renewed passion, anticipation, expectation for your soon coming. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, I wish somebody with hands lifted would just tell him, I'm, I'm going to start looking for you again. I've been looking for your hand because I want you to bless me. I've been looking for your blessings. I've been looking for your healing. But i got to start looking for your face again. I, 
I've got to start looking for your return. And if we're not careful, ladies and gentlemen, if we're not careful as I begin to close here, I, I will tell you that that is exactly what we do. We want him to send his blessings but not come for his church. We want him to send abundant blessings of healing and strength and joy and peace. But we have to get to that place where we are consistently looking and waiting. God, help me to touch my feet to the floor in the morning and lay my head to the pillow at night in anticipation of the second coming. The rapture will be sudden. Everyone say sudden. But it will not be a secret. It's not a secret. He has not hidden it from us. No one in this room will be able to say, I didn't know he was coming. You did know. You didn't know when, for no man knows the day or the hour. I always find a little humor in the book that comes out. You know, 22 reasons why in 22. You know, and I'm not trying to take jabs at anybody. I just, no man is going to know. Why we're supposed to walk watching. We're supposed to live considering eternity. Stand with me. Can I tell you something that I think maybe is foreign in language to us, but it should be a consideration for everyone here? We should spend a little bit of our regular prayer time weekly Thanking God in anticipation of the rapture. Some people in here, you're, you're thinking, that's the first time I've ever heard that. That doesn't really make sense to me. If we are going to retrain our minds from being enamored by the world to looking towards the second coming of Christ, husbands and wives, young adults, middle-aged individual that's in this room, there is nothing that surpasses our need to be ready. And I don't mean to sound dramatic, but allow me the moment. I can remember being just a child, standing in the church that night when without letting the congregation know, in the middle of the pastor's message all of a sudden, and some of you have maybe been in a similar Service, but without letting us know there as a child, he was preaching and all of a sudden, somebody had been signaled and sounded off on a trumpet loudly behind him. And I can still hear that precious elder, that pastor of mine, who said into the microphone, if he came now, how many made it? It's a dangerous thing when we stop living considering eternity. And I'm not looking for wailing and weeping. I'm not looking for surging of the altars tonight. I'm looking for introspection when I ask this finale question. If he came tonight, if he returned for the church tonight, Maybe I feel the weight of it a little different because I know that I have to stand before God and give an account. So I want to be clear before God that I'm doing my best to tell the people. 
We've got to live like he's coming. God, we praise you in this house. We worship you in this house. If there's any sin in my heart, forgive me. Search me, oh God. I don't know if you're about to return, but I know you've sure prompted me. I know you've asked me to present to this body that we must, we must consider eternity. We must consider the ramifications of our choices. We must consider our love for the doctrine. We must repent. We must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. We must be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We must strive to live holy or separated unto you. We must strive to bear the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and gentleness and meekness. We got, we've got to do it, oh God. We've got to be witnesses of yours. We've got to live. We've got to live as the church because that's who you're returning for. I will tell you tonight, I wish genuinely that it was not so, but he is not returning for everyone. That would be considered non-tolerant in our world. But he's returning for the church, for his church, not based on an organization, based on the scripture and the application of scripture. Say, so are you saying that people that don't go to your church? No, not, a, not even an ounce. And if you say it, I deny it. But you've got to love this word. And we've got to apply this word. And we've got to live considering eternity. If you haven't been praying, reignite your prayer. If you haven't been fasting, reignite your fasting life. If you haven't been showing love and joy and peace, reignite that. Let the Holy Ghost stir that up. Because we got to live like He could come at any moment. Somebody say amen if you believe it.